Well, good morning, everybody. Go ahead and grab a seat. You're here on a very good Sunday because this is a message I'm very excited to bring. This is uh, one of those messages that can really create a shift in our minds. We're sending the offering buckets down because we forgot. So, uh, one new time, okay. I want to thank Tamara and uh, the team for filling in for me. I've just been very, very blessed by the strength of the team. And uh, also, we're having just a little bit of technical difficulty. We're getting a brand new router for next week, so that should be taken care of. But uh, this is the 2020 sermon series. We're looking at visions and dreams in the Bible. And the visions and the dreams in the Bible are the deep places where God speaks to us and shifts the way we think. So go ahead and uh, move to the next slide there. Wendy and I love to go to the California Midwinter Fair in Imperial. We go pretty much every year. It is really fun. It's a big agricultural area. And there's lots of 4-H stuff and FFA stuff and all the kids with their animals and all the... It's not real commercialized like Orange County. And we love to go to it. And we went to it a couple years ago. And there was a band called Metalachi, which was a hard metal mariachi band, which was just fascinating. You wouldn't know that there's such a thing. Metalachi, and we've been following them ever since, and it's kind of a lot of fun. But we also went to a stage hypnotist. There was this woman who got up, and there was a crowd of people sitting there, and uh, asked for volunteers to come forward, and she would hypnotize people, and they would do stuff. Remember that one? Who's ever seen that before? You've ever seen, like, stage hypnotists where they get up and they they have people do things, and I thought it was just fascinating. So I started to look up some stuff about about hypnotism, and it's very controversial. It, it really is. It's uh, some people think it's just like silly, and other people think that certain people can be hypnotized, certain people can't, whatever. But in any case, what happens when people get hypnotized is their attention gets really focused, and the peripheral stuff around them starts to disappear. And depending on how open you are to suggestion, things can happen. If you go to the next slide, it's been said, and it's probably true, that 95% of us have hypnotized ourselves into thinking things about ourselves that aren't true. We tell ourselves things, or people tell us things, and we believe them, and we make that a part of our script in life. And next thing you know, we start building our decisions and what we do based on things that were told to us that we have hypnotized into our thinking. Who here has ever had a big realization that something you've been thinking for a long time was wrong? And you go, oh, but you were all, you were acting as if it was what? True. What do people do in stage hypnotism? They're up there acting as if things are true because they get suggested things and then they do things even though the things that are suggested to them aren't true. So many of us have hypnotized ourselves, literally, into believing things about ourselves that aren't true, and then we behave in accordance with that. Go ahead and go to the next slide. First uh, sermon was the power of intention. What do you want? I'm not real big on resolutions per se, but I'm really big on intentionality. I'm old enough to know that you can lose a decade really easily. A decade can just go, whew. Some of the young, young people think, well, how could that happen? 
ask someone in their 50s, 60s, and 70s. You really can lose time quickly. And without intentionality, randomness starts to set in. It's important that we have our hand on the rudder of the boat and have some sense of where we're going. If you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. And there's something to be said for just kind of going with the flow. But also, we do need to have some intentionality if we want to get something out of life. So we talked about the power of intention. And then Tamara talked about imagination. Igniting your imagination. Imagination, there's another word in there, image. The image of God, self-image. One of the most chilling things that I've learned in the last couple of months is a truth about imagination, your self-image. And it's this. You will never outperform your self-image. You'll never outperform your self-image. And if your self-image is low, what's going to happen? You're going to act in accordance with your self-image. So you have to bring your self-image up in line with what? The image of God. You're made in the image of God. And we have to tell ourselves, hey, God made me. God is a master craftsman. God doesn't engineer people for failure. And I need to tell myself that so that my image is in line with what God thinks about me. God doesn't make junk. God makes us in his image. And if our image is lower than that, lower than being made in the image of God, we're going to act in accordance with that, and we can't outperform it. If I can get my self-image in line with being in the image of God, who cares if you can outperform that? That's pretty cool. You do lots of things. Last week, turning crisis into opportunity. And one of the best, I get to hear these on the podcast because I've been sick. And uh, one of the best lines from any sermon I've ever heard at this church was this. God sometimes gives us things we can't handle. You've heard the phrase, God will never give you something you can't handle. Well, he does. But he'll never give you something that he can't handle. I just thought that was really good insight. If, there's, if it was just stuff we could handle, we wouldn't need God. But how I never never put that together my whole life, I don't know. But that was a great line. So that's what we've been doing. And go to the next slide, Tam. 2020 vision. Today we're going to talk about Peter's rooftop vision. Maxwell Maltz, Psycho-Cybernetics, 1960, Chapter 4. Now, Psycho-Cybernetics, that sounds like a really heavy book, but it's written in high school language. It was written in 1960. Your parents had it on the shelf. It was like the biggest bestseller of the year. And it was kind of like, what was Rick Warren's big book? Purpose-Driven Life. It was the Purpose-Driven Life of 1960. So there's lots of good Bible stuff in there. It's just really good. Everybody read it. And it's all about being intentional. So Peter's rooftop vision, chapter 4, Acts, actually 10, 5 through 11. Go to the next slide if you would. Focused attention. Very often, we hypnotize ourselves because of something traumatic. Something happened to you. Now, when you go through a traumatic experience, especially a socially traumatic experience, something embarrassing, something humiliating, what happens to your attention? Does it become focused or peripheral? Very focused. You're focused on that one thing. When you're getting traumatized, 
a train could go by and you wouldn't notice. So you're very susceptible to hypnotism. You're very focused. And whatever people say during that time, much like a hypnotist, you can take as true. Who here has had a rough time in life and somebody said something that wasn't helpful at that point? And it sticks in there. And next thing you know, we start to, like a clam, build a pearl around that piece of sand. And everything we're doing is we're building a house on sand. We're not building it on a rock. And this happens to virtually everybody. Because everybody goes through trauma. Financial trauma, social trauma, disease, vocational. Everybody gets fired a couple of times. Nobody talks about it, but that happens. We go through these terrible things, and then people say things during those times. And because we're so focused, much like with a stage hypnotist, anything that gets said around those times can land in our soul. And next thing you know, we start to self-hypnotize. So I'm not talking about hypnotism here. I'm talking about getting dehypnotized, about getting rid of those feelings and those thoughts. So it's so similar to what we saw on the stage at the fair. And we all do it to ourselves. Decrease peripheral awareness and openness to suggestion. And next thing you know, we're starting to operate as if those things are true. Next slide. This often happens in childhood, even with well-meaning parents or teachers. Who here has had some authority figure when you were young say something that didn't help? <laughs> or other kids. Who thinks kids in junior high can be mean? <laughs> things can happen. People can say things. And next thing you know, <coughs> you operate based on that. Next slide. Stage hypnosis. On a stage, Wendy and I saw people doing the craziest stuff on the stage. The hypnotist would suggest things, and they would start doing them, especially the ones that were the most suggestible. But they act out only when they are convinced that the hypnotist's words are true statements. And that's what happens during hypnotism. During hypnotism, they believe what the person says, because the person relaxes them, decreases their peripheral awareness, gets them focused, and next thing you know, this soothing voice comes across and everything sounds true. And they start doing things, dancing around on the stage, even if they've never danced before, that kind of thing. And that happens to us, too. When we imagine that things that get said around us are true, we start to build our life around those statements. So 95% of people, according to psychologists, are self-hypnotized into things that lower our self-image, not raise it up to be equal to the image of God. Next one. Dreams and visions are a deep well. So let's look at a passage. Let's read this one out loud. Anya, just kind of keep up with us here. The next day, as Cornelius' messengers, out loud everybody, were nearing the town, Peter went up flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open, broad sheet, let down by its four corners. Then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter. 
no Lord, Peter declared, I have never eaten anything <coughs> impure and clean. It's a voice. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times, and the sheet was suddenly pulled up there. This is a picture of a snake that has shed its skin. It got rid of an old way of thinking, got rid of an old hypnotism. We need to shed those things that we've hypnotized into ourselves. We need to get rid of stinking thinking and the kind of things that people have said to us and the ways we have taken lies to be truth. It says in there that Peter falls into a trance, and the Greek word there is ecstasis, from which we get the word ecstasy, standing outside of yourself. And there are times when we have visions, dreams, daydreams, all those kinds of things. And we need to pay attention to them. Who here has strange dreams like I do sometimes? <clears throat> I dream about a lot of you folks. And I could entertain the whole group talking about that for a long time. But <coughs> dreams are often a way to get at those deep things that are floating around inside. And the Bible is very clear that dreams and visions are ways that God communicates to us. So God communicates to Peter. What religion was Peter? Jewish. Jewish people eat what kind of food? Kosher food. Now, Peter had woven into his mind the idea that eating kosher is the thing to do. But the Bible says very clearly that these laws were given to the people of Israel as a guardian for the time that it was needed. Much like when you're a child, you need someone to protect you. The law was good, but it was time to move beyond it. And so God had to dehypnotize Peter from the way he was behaving. And who thinks eating is a big part of our behavior? It's a big part of our behavior. And God had to bring him to the next level, out of guardianship into spiritual adultship, and bring all the people of Israel out also. And the law is not a bad thing. But the law, it was time to shed the skin of that and move on to a new way of being in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, not by the law. So Peter had to make this big shift, and we all have to do that, don't we? Who thinks kids need rules? I think they need rules. But the purpose of those rules is that someday they won't need the rules. They'll be able to make their own decisions based on maturity. Same with Peter, same with the Jewish people. Those rules were good. It kept them safe for a long time. But it was time to move beyond that. And we have to move beyond our childish thinking sometimes. And our childish thinking can hold us back. We need to be childlike, but not childish. There's a big difference. Being playful and childlike is great. Being childish, not so much. Who thinks that people can have beliefs as children that if they continue on in adulthood can harm them? Absolutely. We need to shed that and move Next slide. Examples of self-hypnotism. Relational trauma affecting self-image. We already talked about that. Any kind of trauma, go through a tough time, 
people say things, and they stick. Next one. Comparison as a teen. Most kids don't worry about stuff like this, but as they become teenagers, they start comparing themselves to each other. And who thinks our school system promotes that? <coughs> all kinds of class ranking, all kinds of sports stuff, and constant what? Comparison. Comparison will start to give you a bad image. Especially if you live in California, where there's always someone better looking, richer, and more famous, and doing better than you. Always. I mean, it, it, it's, let me tell you, living in South Dakota is pretty cool. Because if you're even a little bit smart, you're pretty cool. You know, you, you come out here, it's a big deal. There's so much going on. Who thinks everyone's got a cool, a cooler car than you, no matter what? It's, it, there's always going to be comparison in California, except for John. Comparison gets us into that lower self-image thing. We have to stay in our own lane and improve ourselves and not look at other people. The comparison starts as a teenager. And we start comparing ourselves. Who's more popular? Who sits at this table? Who gets to ask who and who to prom? All that stuff. And we start to hypnotize ourselves that we belong at a lower place on the rung. Next one. <clears throat> useful truths we should have outgrown. There's, useful, there's really useful truths that you have as a kid that you need to let go of as you become an adult. Next one. <laughs> Opinions that were never true about real facts. There's facts, things that just happen. And there's our opinions about them. And other people's opinions about them. And in case you haven't noticed, people have different opinions about facts. And sometimes we hold on to opinions about facts. The facts are true, but our opinions are just wrong. And I'm always relieved when I have an opinion that I find out to be wrong. Because I don't want to be hanging on to opinions that continue to hold me back. <coughs> Next one. The failure slideshow. I don't know about you, but when I get really depressed, the devil plays a little slideshow in my head of my failures. Does anybody else have one of those slideshows? The, the dumbest things you ever said, the worst things, you know, just gonna, keeps going around and around and around. We need to tell the enemy to just take a hike and stop that. The devil is, according to the original languages, the accuser. The one who accuses us of things. And <coughs> we need to continue to stop the slideshow. Examples of self-hypnotism. Who here has not experienced any of these? We're among the 95% that have built all kinds of crazy stuff on stuff that isn't true. Next slide. How to dehypnotize. Get more personal with God. Now, that sounds like a cliche. Here's what I mean. This congregation is above average intelligence. No question. The problem with above average intelligence is we can tend to make things more abstract and less personal. This is why there's no such thing ever in history as a revival at a seminary or graduate school. It never happens. Because we overthink things. And very often we overthink theology and the Bible and we forget that God is personal. And we need to have a personal relationship with him. And a big breakthrough, our last sermon series on brain and Bible. It 
85% of our brain is used for social negotiation. Think about it. I mean, everything you do is imaginary conversations about what you're going to say at work tomorrow and how you're going to get along with so-and-so. Who's going to come to this? Where are you going for Christmas? How are the in-laws doing? Are our kids growing up okay? All, who thinks you think about that stuff a lot? Other people are in our thinking. And the big muscles in your brain are all wired for social thinking. So if you want to have a big relationship with God, you have to think of him relationally. This is why God sent Jesus to earth, to give us a relational person to relate to. It's hard to relate to a father in the sky. It's hard to relate to the Holy Spirit we can't see sometimes. But Jesus is right there to give us a person. And this is where personal relationship with God is so important. This is one of my big intentionalities this year, is to be less abstract and more personal with God in my prayers. Because I tend to get abstract because I went to school too long. And I think it's so important to personalize God in our prayers and think of him as a person. We believe in one God and three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But we're not fatherists. We're not spiritists. We're, we're Christians. We need to focus on Jesus. And I need to kind of re-up that in my life. Number two, daily Bible readings. We need to replace the lies in our heads, the untruths, the hypnotism, with the truth. There is no substitute for getting into the Word. We're going through Proverbs right now, almost at the end of the book. And we're just reading one chapter, and there is so much in chapter sometimes. I'm just thinking, how in the world can I even keep all this in my head? But you keep feeding your mind with the Word of God. Who's here who here has heard of the term garbage in, garbage out? If all that's going in is Netflix, it, it's, it's garbage in, garbage out. But if we continue to feed our minds with the word of God, truth in, power out, there's a lot of good stuff. The truth will get rid of a lot of the other stuff. We can't just get rid of the lies. We have to fill our minds with God's truth. Folks, the Bible is the truth and it's to the test of time. It'll be, if Jesus doesn't return soon, people will still be studying the Bible a thousand years from now. And we'll always be studying it. And we want to ground ourselves in something that's not going to move. And the Bible doesn't move. We need to get into the Word. Folks, your life depends on it. And you can't get rid of self-hypnotism without putting something else in. And we need to continue to do that. And Dammers put together a really good reading thing, and I want us to commit to doing that on a daily basis. Number three, remove always and never. Always and never are almost never true. I always fail at this. I'll never be a good athlete. I'll never get good at math. I'll never be able to be in the black. I'll never get rid of my debt. I'll always have trouble with men. I'll always have trouble with women. I'll always have trouble with my in-laws. No one's ever going to invite me to this. Fill in the blank. I'm never going to be happy. My best years are behind me. I'll never be as happy as I was. Always, always and never are never true. I use never, but anyway. <laughs> Here I go again. It's, I always seem to get the short straw. We can, we can hypnotize ourselves by saying that all over. 
if someone told you in seventh grade you're not a good athlete and you just kept saying it, next thing you know, you realize, I've gone 50 years and I'd never work out. Why? Because someone told me I was not a good athlete. Maybe you could have been in the Olympics. Who knows? Who knows? I've always thought I could be at the Olympics because I figure bobsledding is the way to go. If I could put a box 50 yards up and run really fast and jump in the box and just do that like a thousand times a day, I get really good at that. I mean, how hard could it be? But anyways, that was been my sort of dream. Number four. <clears throat> this is something you need to say to yourself in the mirror every day to dehypnotize yourself. Because you will never outperform your self-image. You have to raise your self-image to the image of God. I am made in the image of Almighty God. And that is the best antidote for self-hypnotism. To raise the sense of what you can do. In confirmation class, I was raised Lutheran. In confirmation class, is scary. And you have to memorize stuff. And I had to pick a Bible verse. And I just randomly picked Philippians 4.13. Just randomly picked it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I cannot tell you how many times that has helped. Because it's since eighth grade, it's been rolling around in my head. And it makes a difference what's rolling around in your head. It really does. I am made in the image of Almighty God. And Tamara said something during the announcements. Let's do number five. First Corinthians 2.16. It says, we have the mind of Christ. We have access to the mind of Christ. I can do all things of Christ's strength. I'm made in the image of God. I have access to the mind of Christ. The answers are out there. I need that right now because I need to find out what triggers this silly thing. This happened to me in 2013. I missed five weeks of church in 2013. Same thing. I need to find out what triggers this thing. So I need to ask for the mind of Christ to get at the root of this. And it's not going to be just some easy little thing. <clears throat> the mind of Christ crafted in the Almighty God. Number six. <clears throat> Unclamp. We need to relax a little bit. You can be intentional and relaxed. The best athletes are intentional and relaxed. Michael Jordan was never worried about whether or not he was going to get the ball at the buzzer. He wanted the ball at the buzzer. Because he wanted to make the shot. And a lot of times he missed. A lot of times he made it. There are some incredible people who have been played quarterback in the last two minutes. I'm kind of older, so I always think of Joe Montana, and I always think, two minutes to go, he's the guy. Because he's relaxed. He's, he just knows. He's, he lives for that moment. He's not thinking, oh, I hope I don't screw up. He's thinking, oh, I get to, I get to do the two-minute thing. And there's a sense of ease to it. Think of it as easy, <coughs> and it could become so. Let's say that together. Think of it as easy, and it will become so. We start to think about things, oh, I'm no good, I can never do this. This is too hard. I can't, I'm not going to be able to finish this. I can't get this. I, I, There's a lot of things we think are a lot harder than they really are. For instance, I have a, my own little corporation, a for-profit corporation, and I've been paying an accountant to write a W-2 for me to make that work. Because it's just too hard for me to do just order. John and some other people just do this, this, and this. Next thing you know, there it is. It's not that hard. 
but I made it hard in my head for like three years. I can't do this because it's too complicated. And I paid hundreds of dollars to these accountants to do this for me. No, no offense, John. People shouldn't be accountants, but still. <laughs> it's really not hard. And once I start told myself, I can do this, I'm doing it now. I, I can do this. There's a lot of things we think are so hard. I'll never get my garage cleaned out. I'll, I'll never get the landscaping finished. I'll never get those big repairs done. I'll, I'll never, you know, fill in the blank. And you think of it as easy. And it can become so. So these are good ways to dehypnotize yourself. Next slide. This week's assignment. Next week's topic. Identify the, li <coughs> Identify the lies you've woven into your worldview. Identify those things which you've hypnotized yourself to think. I'm never going to be healthy. I'm never going to be living in abundance. I'm never going to get married. I'm never going to fill in the blank. There's, I mean, there's a thousand different things you put in there. What things have you hypnotized yourself into saying? Number two, dehypnotize yourself. We've got to do the list on that. Get rid of that thinking. Stinking thinking will create stinking living. Our minds are like the rudder of the boat, and our tongue, the Bible says, really is. If we speak certain words, certain things will happen. Go ahead and put the next up. <laughs> next week, it's going to be a spiritual facelift. How to remove hurts and scars. How to get rid of those pains, the, the bad slideshow. We're going to talk about that next week. And we're going to talk about another dream and vision, and this is Ananias' dream, where the early Christians had been wounded by a guy named Paul, and they had to get over it to work with him. Who here has been wounded by other people, and you have to get over it to move on? We're going to work on that next week. It's also Groundhog Day next week, and Super Bowl Sunday, and nobody skips church on Super Bowl Sunday because the kickoff isn't until 3.30. So, you can't go to church on Super Bowl Sunday. 3.30. Okay. One last verse. <clears throat> Let's read this out loud together. One, two, three. <clears throat> Let's de-hypnotize ourselves. Let's abide in God's word. Let the truth set us free. Amen? Let's bring the worship team forward and let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, the enemy wants to keep us hypnotized. Wants to keep us dwelling on things that aren't true. And Lord, I just pray for each one of these people that I, I, I just love these people so much, Lord. And, and I want each one of them to be free of those things. And I want your truth to set them free. And I want this to be the biggest and the best decade of their lives. I want this decade to shine for them. And if they can let go of hypnotism that they've imposed on themselves, if they can let go of that, they can let go of that. They can live free for the next 10 years. We pray for warm and loving relationships. We pray for financial abundance. We pray for health for me too. And I pray, Lord, that I dehypnotize myself of anything that's 
cause this recurring thing. And next week, Lord, we pray for trauma. We can be healed of those things that hurt us. We give you thanks for the dreams and visions in the Bible, Lord. I pray that you would speak to us in our dreams tonight and throughout the week. Give us visions. As Peter had, ecstasis. We stand outside of ourselves and we see something and you show us a new way of being. We can shed that old skin and have a fresh skin to move forward. We pray, Lord, that each of us would commit to being in the Word. <coughs> because if we abide in the Word, we'll know the truth, and the truth will set us free. We pray all this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, Amen.